Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? This is your host, Sky Guasco. Another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. This is episode 263. Today we're breaking down the early matchups for this coming Sunday for week two. I hope you all enjoyed a wonderful first weekend of football and fantasy football. I'm in two leagues, uh, too many leagues, I should say, uh, to count. So inevitably I'm going to win some, I'm going to lose some. I had a couple really close victories and a couple close crushing defeats. I also had a couple... uh, smash performances and got blown out in a few as well as the nature of fantasy football of course we had some big injuries i broke down the ballers and stallers on monday lucas and Dwayne broke down the stat rat section yesterday getting a little bit deeper on a couple of players today i'm joined once again by my man bobby lamarco aka fantasy football x factor bobby it's great to have you back man thanks for joining thank you sir sky great to be back man looking forward to talking some football Excellent, buddy. Bobby jumped on last week uh, to join us for the first time, and uh, we had such a good time that I wanted to bring him back here and hopefully a more consistent guest here on the TCK pod. Bobby, before we get started, please let everybody know where they can go find your content. Yeah, you can find me uh, at Fantasy Football X Factor on Instagram, at FFX Factor on Twitter. I also write for Razball.com, Shadow Coverage Report. You can find me on there and expand the box score. My opportunity analysis will come out every week recapping all the opportunities and snap counts and stuff like that as well. Fantastic. And uh, shouts out also to um, the fantasy football state of mind crew who I write for as well. So a lot of us in this, uh, in this space kind of cross collaborate and uh, everybody that listens to the TCK pod knows that we're, you know, we're family men here on the podcast. We like to uh, spread the wealth and the love as well. So please go support fantasy football X factor, as well as the other channels as well. All right, man, let's jump right into it here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten morning games. You and I are West coast or afternoon games, if you will, on the East coast. Nonetheless, we're going over the early slot here. And like we did last week, we're going to dive through each one of these games and the fantasy implications of this particular week, as it reflects from last week. Now, of course, you know, Bobby, before we jump into this, I want to ask you just, you know, either a couple quick touch points um, that you may have top of mind or a couple just immediate reactions to the first weekend of football. It could be fantasy related or just general football relations. For me, it was how some teams, uh, uh, the the Seahawks, um, the Saints for the most part, uh, the, the Chiefs, um, the Ravens, of course, some teams just looked extremely polished, ready to go, mid-season form. Other teams, frankly, were not. A lot of penalties. They had injuries. They were just, you know, off balance. Maybe they were young or they had a new player that didn't click right away. Uh, offensive scheme, the coaching didn't quite translate. 
I'd like to hear from you really quick, your, your first overall reactions from a very unusual week one. Not only is it week one in general, which is always kind of a, a, a crapshoot, but we had no preseason, right? We have this COVID situation going on. We have, uh, you know, limited opportunity for these rookies uh, and these new players and new situations with new coaches and schemes and wide receivers and quarterback combos and all this stuff. So really quick before we jump into it, man, like kind of, you know, off top, just what were a couple of things that you potentially brought away from this first weekend of football? Again, fantasy related or just kind of uh, in general here that, that were some of your just first quick couple observations? Yeah, you know, I think we talked a lot about this in the in the offseason, a lot of continuity questions. I think really right off the bat, I tried to make sure that when I was looking at players that I can justify, do they have the same coach? Do they have the same, you know, offensive skill position players? And we saw, like, for example, Russell Wilson. I mean, same offensive coordinator, you know, same head coach, same outside weapons, and he just cooked. Like, and, you know, those kind of things – can't be, you know, they, the limited offseason. Tom Brady, for example, is a good example of a guy who didn't have the big offseason, um, went to a new team, new weapons, new coaching staff for him, and we saw him kind of struggle a little bit. And, of course, Mike Evans was a little banged up. But I think early on in the season, it's evaluating that continuity and understanding that those teams have a leg up on the competition. However, I do want to make sure that, you know, biggest takeaway from week one is you have to understand that you know, it's there's so many times we see these blow up games, Sammy Watkins last year, Sammy Watkins this year. These guys blow up in week one, we overreact. I think the Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore thing is another one where Robbie Anderson has this big week one. He's the hot new offseason acquisition. And then DJ Moore is kind of like swept under the rug. Um, I would not overreact to week one. I think one of the bigger takeaways I took as well is just kind of evaluating, you know, which teams threw a bunch, which teams didn't throw a lot. I think a lot of people overreact in the sense that, like, Josh Allen, you know, almost attempted 50 passes in, against the Jets. And, you know, of course, Diggs had a big game and John Brown. But, you know, he's not going to throw the ball almost 50 times a week. So I think the biggest takeaways for me is I got to see that continuity kind of panned out pretty well this week. But also not overreacting right away. Some teams just had a lot of dropbacks, a lot of throws. Other teams didn't. We're going to see things regress back to the mean. So I think that's some of the stuff we'll talk about today, too. I 100% agree with you. And I think Josh Allen is an excellent example of that. And, and we can get to this more during the Buffalo Miami matchup, but on that tip really quick, as far as overreacting and everything else um, in certain, I, I agree with you. Josh Allen is, is a perfect example because I do expect him to fall back down to, you know, 30 pass attempts uh, potentially. Um, however, we saw that once he was able to, he could, he can, and they will when they need to throw 50 times, he also had his rushing opportunity. He also had a rushing touchdown. He also threw for 300 yards for the first time in his career. So how much of this is like an outlier? He's going to regress to the mean. It's not Josh Allen versus holy shit. Maybe <laughs> this is the new Josh Allen. Maybe even though Stefan Diggs didn't have a huge game statistically, he maybe opened up the field for John Brown, right? I mean, these running backs are able to have a little bit more space um, now the Jets weren't putting the pedal to the metal. Obviously, Lev Bell went down early, and you know the Jets are the Jets. But it, it is interesting how many of these situations are potentially just the new norm this year. Another one I'm going to take away is the Rams. The Rams I thought looked really good, frankly, um, for the first half at least, and then they kind of dissolved. But like Malcolm Brown, like who thought Malcolm Brown was going to be the guy? He came out and crushed, right? F uh, fifth most fantasy points in a, in a. Um, on the week. So some of these traits I do think uh, are, are going to be something that we have to look into more so than just a, you know, fluke situation. 
And are they going to continue like Naheem Hines? He could be the real deal now that Marlon Mack is out, right? Instead of just kind of a fluke first week. So anyway, I do want to, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up really quick because I want everybody to, to um, think outside the box. I know that you were really big on that. You're very statistically based in your networks. We are as well. I think that's why we make such a nice matchup here together. Um, but what, what else I appreciate about you that you bring to the table here is that we kind of like think bigger picture. When you, yeah. when you came on to preview a lot of the tight ends uh, the last time you were on here, we talked so much about the continuity with the quarterback and the coaching changes like you had mentioned, and that is such a huge deal, right? Russell Wilson's a perfect example. The Seahawks didn't miss a beat. Nope. Seahawks looked like it was week 11, right? Yeah. Half, of the, half of the rest of the league, man, were, were clearly, including the Buccaneers with Hall of Famer Tom Brady, they looked like preseason week one. That's yep. not good. You know what I mean? So you're going to have that huge discrepancy this year for the first couple of weeks. So I think it's important to look into that. All right, bro. <clears throat> Quite the intro. Let's jump into this year. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive into each of the early slate games. Again, we have 10 on the slot here. So we'll just spend a couple minutes per game. Let's start with the Giants at the Bears. The Bears get a big win late. Should have lost the game, but DeAndre Swift basically dropped the game-winning touchdown late in the game. Mitch Trubisky pulls out basically three touchdowns and uh, a rabbit out of his hat in the fourth quarter, and it was just enough late to make it look good for the Bears. On the other side, the Giants weren't quite ready to go. I thought Daniel Jones looked pretty good for the most part, but went up against one of the best defenses in the NFL and the Steelers on Monday Night Football, and they got beat up as well. Also, fun fact that you may have seen running around Twitter. Uh, if not, then you've heard it here first. Saquon Barkley was outrushed by Big Ben Roethlisberger. That's right, folks. Um, obviously, that will probably regress to the mean. I don't expect Big Ben to outrush Saquon on the season. However, little things like that did happen. Juju had a couple touchdowns in that game, so turn it around. But with the Giants and the Bears, I think this is going to be a, a real close game here. But for fantasy purposes, Bobby, I'll turn it over to you here. Like, is there a lot of fantasy gold in this game? Or do you think um, – you know, do you trust Mitch for another week? Do you trust Daniel Jones against another tough opponent on the road? Are you rolling Saquon? I mean, you have to, right? But are you? Do you trust Evan Ingram had a couple of drops in that game? Is, you know, Golden Tate going to be back in time? Allen Robinson wants out of Chicago. Yeah, what right. is going on in this game? There's a lot of question marks, in my opinion. I'm not very comfortable with anybody other than you have to start Saquon. Other than that, I'm not really confident with anybody here. Yeah, so when you look at Mitch Trubisky, it was like a tale of two halves. His first half, he was an eight for 20, did not look good at all. And then something that's very notable is that in the second half, the Lions were down all three of their starting corners, and then things started picking up. So obviously Jeff Okuda, the first-round pick, was out of the game. Then Marcus Trufant and Justin Coleman both got hurt. So the Lions were down three corners, and then Mitch Trubisky started connecting uh, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller. So I – Am I all excited about this idea of Mitch Trubisky? Probably not. Big Ben had three touchdowns, but he only threw for about 225 yards in the game. So overall, it wasn't like he had a monster performance against this Giants defense, who now has a new coaching staff as well. Um, that's Patrick Graham comes from the Bill Belichick tree. So this is a brand new defense. And Patrick Graham is very high regard. He was the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins last year. So, you know, they're going to be uh, running a lot of man in this game. I think James Bradbury, who's a prized cornerback acquisition, could be shadowing Allen Robinson in this game. I think a guy that I'm kind of high on from the Bears side is Anthony Miller. 
not only because he had a big game, it's just how the Steelers beat the Giants last week with Juju. Juju had a great game in the slot. I think Anthony Miller can kind of replicate that. The Giants were one of the worst teams at covering the slot last year. It kind of rolled into this year, even with the new coaching staff. So I'm looking at Anthony Miller on the flex radar, especially if Allen Robinson is shadowed by James Bradbury on the outside. I think that's a great. Yeah. And on the ground for the Chicago Bears, I mean, you've got to look at how it looked last week. Both Adrian Peterson, Detroit. I mean, Peterson looked – not to talk about the lines, but he looked Real solid. <laughs> yeah, he looked solid. And he did that against the Bears. And I think that's what you have to look at from the ground game. I think, obviously, you're going to see – you're not going to sit Barkley. It's not even worth talking about. But I think uh, I think that's for, – for, uh, for the Montgomery piece against the Giants, I think when you saw Benny Snell, backup running back, you know, the biggest thing about the Steelers, too, is they were just decimated on the offensive line. David DeCastro was out. They lost two players in the game, their backup guard and their right tackle in the game. And they still – Snell had a monster great game on the ground, which is surprising because the Giants do have a solid front. So I'm probably buying a little bit on Montgomery and Anthony Miller in this matchup because of some of the things we talked about. If you flip it to the other side, you know, it's kind of the same concept. We saw – Uh, Marvin Jones kind of have a slower game against the outside corners of the Bears. Maybe Slayton has a little bit of a slower game after his big game last week against the Steelers. I think Sterling Shepard could actually be the guy who benefits. Danny Amendola had a pretty nice, uh, solid line, 80-plus yards. So I think that Sterling Shepard could really exploit his matchup on the inside with the boundary corners being a little bit better for the Bears. So I think overall in this matchup, I'm feeling the slot guys, Anthony Miller and Sterling Shepard. And I'm also feeling David Montgomery as well. He looked pretty good. For the groin injury, I think he looked sharp. He looked like he made some bounce cuts overall. The tight ends in this matchup, listen, Evan Ingram did not really do much. One of the things I'm a little worried about with Evan Ingram is that he cannot block. I mean, the thing about Jason Witten, he was a one of the, the pillars of the Jason Garrett offense, but he would block, and he was a good in the run game. You know, that's not Evan Ingram. So I'm a little concerned about his fit. We saw um, the backup tight end Smith on the field a decent amount because of his blocking prowess. So something to monitor with Evan Ingram throughout the course of the year. Obviously, you probably are starting him because you used good draft capital on him. But overall, not too excited for him specifically, even after TJ Hawkinson had a pretty good game with five receptions and a touchdown versus the Bears last week. I agree. And, and David Montgomery specifically, 16 opportunities. He had three targets through the air, but he had 13 carries for 64 yards there. And, and obviously, if the Bears didn't believe that he was healthy, they wouldn't have given him that much work. So that made me feel a lot better about David Montgomery moving forward. I think he's going to be okay. And that's quite a, quite the recovery. I mean, we see you know groin injuries uh, kind of derail entire seasons, uh, let alone opening week. So I like that a lot. Great breakdown, man. Let's move on here to the Atlanta Falcons and the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, in any general week, this is a fireworks matchup, right? Two potent yeah. offenses, two uh, close losses for each of them. Um, uh, and I think, obviously, one of these teams has to bounce back. The Falcons really got just blown up by the Seahawks, but they had a late run a little bit there. Matt Ryan poured on 450 passing yards, most on the week. All three receivers for the Falcons had nine catches. They had 12 targets each and over a hundred yards, which is absolutely incredible. Of course, Julio Jones, not getting the touchdown, but Calvin Ridley blowing up there on the Dallas side. 
Um, and Todd Gurley looked good in that one as well. On the Dallas side, uh, Zeke gets his two touchdowns, but that offense wasn't quite rolling. Amari Cooper missed on some opportunities. Michael Gallup, the pass interference or what or not, nonetheless, just 50 yards. I thought he'd have a lot more there. CeeDee Lamb looked pretty good. Also, of course, they lose Blake Jarwin for the season, so it'll be interesting how they patch the tight end position there. Um, I, I mean, this has got to be a start, everybody. Um, is there much to dive into with this game, or is it just fire on all cylinders? Yeah, I mean, I would. I would honestly be very comfortable with everybody, especially like you obviously were a big fan of Blake Jarwin in the offseason. Him being out is definitely good news for guys like Lamb and Gallup to increase their target share. I also like Zeke's passing game involvement, but we're not here to talk about Zeke. We know we're firing up Zeke. I think the one thing I will say is Todd Gurley is kind of interesting because Malcolm Brown did look pretty good on the ground, also caught a couple of passes in the pass game. Uh, last week versus the Cowboys. So I think Gurley can really be a solid play this week because of the matchup. The one thing I will say is Cooper Cup did have a slow game versus this uh, versus the Cowboys last week. So that is notable. Um, it looks like they kind of slowed him down. He didn't have a big game. Robert Woods was the guy that had the big game for the Rams. So maybe Gallup and Cooper plays versus Lamb this week because of that. So maybe I would say Michael Gallup is a solid bounce back after I mean, listen, Michael Gallup doesn't get that call on him, the, the deep pass. You're looking at Gallup as a pretty solid game. He also had another catch called back on a hold by Lamb. So very simple, like just like that, Gallup could have had a 100-yard game last week. So I'm rolling with Gallup, rolling with Cooper. I might be a little bit wary of Lamb, but I think because of the Jarwin injury, I think you're right. Just fire everybody up in this matchup. The question mark and one name we haven't mentioned here who had some you know, big-time hype coming into the fantasy season, Hayden Hurst. Five targets, three receptions, 38 yards. Obviously, I just mentioned all three. Um, Atlanta receivers basically had 36 targets as a unit and 27 receptions uh, for over 350, almost 400 yards as a unit there. Yeah. Um, not really enough meat on the bone this particular week for Hayden Hurst. Um, it's a tight end position, and he's not Travis Kelsey or, or George Kittle or Mark Andrews. So we know he's not going to have you know 12 targets a game. But is this any concern for you moving forward? Or is this just a, hey, the Falcons were playing from behind. They had to go to their big guns. Hayden Hurst isn't quite fluid in the offense yet. Even a guy like Russell Gage is more trustworthy for Matt Ryan at this point. So they just had to ride him out. Or you kind of like, man, you know, maybe there's not enough meat on the bone on a given week here for Hayden Hurst. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. So I looked into that, and last week I talked about this. In my article I wrote last week, I talked about how Russell Gage is kind of the name to monitor because he has the continuity with Matt Ryan. The biggest reason why I really pivoted to Russell Gage over Hayden Hurst last week was because of the safeties that the Seahawks acquired in the offseason. Jamal Adams and, and, and Diggs from the Detroit Lions, they really beefed up their uh, their safety position. That is the primary uh, team, that primary position that covers the tight end. So Jamal Adams is a difference maker. Diggs is also a stud. So that was a huge reason why I faded Hayden Hurst last week because of that. I'm not really concerned. He ran just as many routes as Russell Gage. I just think because of the matchup, I think it was more conducive for Russell Gage versus Hayden Hurst. You know, last week, you know, Tyler Higby didn't do much with his opportunities last week versus the Cowboys. But I think that this is a much better matchup than it was last week versus Seattle team, which on paper in 2019 was really bad against the tight end. But like I said, those new players they acquired at the safety position kind of changed everything for me. I like it. Good call. All right, man, let's move on to the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Man, Aaron Rodgers, turning back the clock, clearly out to prove his doubters. <laughs> I love it. 
I do too. It was really fun to watch him be vintage Rodgers. And man, when Devontae Adams is 100% healthy and those two guys are clicking, you know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, you know, and Devontae Adams and Robert – Robert Woods. Uh, Devontae Adams and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers, really just, uh, you know, poetry in motion, if you will, as far as football terms go. It was just phenomenal. Um, obviously, Devontae Adams uh, ties Don Sutton for the most uh, receptions there in Green Bay history, 14 in a game, 17 targets, over 150 yards, two touchdowns. Could have been four touchdowns um, on a couple overthrows there. On the Detroit side – um, again, three-headed monster, Adrian Peterson, 14 carries. Matt Stafford had five carries. on Johnson, seven. DeAndre Swift had one carry. He did get that touchdown, but he also dropped the game-winning touchdown, of course. I wonder if that's going to affect moving forward. Kenny Galladay was out in this game. Dan Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkinson actually um, led the team in receptions. Marvin Jones had eight targets. Quintez Cephas. Yeah. Had 10 targets in this game, leading the team in targets, just three receptions, but he had the targets there. Interesting to see what's going to happen. Obviously, we need to see if Kenny Galladay is going to come back. If he does, you fire him up, I guess, but I might give him another week on my bench, whether he plays or not, just to heal up. Um, yeah. I am, I'm all systems go on Green Bay. They look sharp. They look ready to go. They're obviously out to prove it. And they got embarrassed last year by the 49ers, and Rodgers isn't going to handle that. So you fire them up. Aaron Jones looked great as well. No tight end, of course. Um, quickly on the Packers, because there's not much to talk about there. I just want to ask you about who the number two is and are yeah. you confident with either one of these guys? MBS has a nice big game, 45-yard touchdown, but all preseason, everybody that does this like you and I did considered Alan Lazard potentially as the number two guy. So is there a true number two or are we back to a couple years ago where it's going to be, you know, um, uh, Geronimo Allison, MVS, you know, Equinemia St. Brown, it can alternate each week. Can we be confident with any of those guys? Or do you think like, look, we got to just leave that big game on our bench because we don't know who it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Alan Lazar got the, uh, got the routes. So he was the number two on the team in routes run for the week. He also is a primary slot guy, which I kind of like that wrinkle. He does kick inside. He's their primary slot guy with MVS and Devontae Adams on the outside. So I do like that usage. MVS um, was getting buzz as well. I think, Really, to be honest with you, I don't mind having both these guys on my bench to see how things pan out. But also this week, like I just touched on, the Lions are going to potentially be down all three of their starting cornerbacks. I mean, yikes! yeah. So, I mean, like you just fire them up. I mean, Adams, if he's not in your DFS lineup, you don't know what you're doing. You got to get him in there. Like he's going to be awesome this week, especially with all that going on. But Alan Zarr got the routes. I like Alan Lazard's usage, but – MVS got six targets compared to four for Alan Lazard. So I honestly think you this is this is the type of thing where is there a true pass catching tight end on the roster right now? Absolutely not. I mean the guy I couldn't I can't even pronounce the the line uh, the tight end's name that got the most routes on the week for the team. It wasn't Tanyan, it wasn't Mercedes Lewis, it wasn't Chase Jay Sternberger, it was another guy. That's how irrelevant the tight end position is for this Packers team, which means that they have plenty of opportunities for wide receivers. That's why I like those guys. So I think you should fire up off the obvious guys for Green Bay. But if you're really – if you hurt, if you had Michael Thomas, for example, and he's out and you need to fill in like a wide receiver three spot, I don't mind Lazard or MBS with the injuries to the Lions secondary. Josiah DeGuara, that's the other tight end there for the Green Bay Packers. I'm with you, man. I think that that's a great DFS play with any of those guys just as the shot in the dark. And, look – 
Aaron Rodgers looked absolutely sharp last week. MBS got his. Obviously, Tay Adams got his. I expect that to happen again. And look, that game was on the road in Minnesota. They're going home to Green Bay. We know how they play in Green Bay anyway. And now they get not only Darius Slay-less Lions team, but out with their top three cornerbacks. Great observation on your part there for the defense. you got to play the matchups. Packers, uh, this one could be ugly quick. Um, let's talk about the backfield really quick in uh, Detroit. Um, are you comfortable with the future Hall of Famer AP? <laughs> or, I mean, you can't fire up Carrion Johnson with any, any no. uh, confidence in DeAndre Swift. Not that they're going to throw him in the doghouse per se. I mean, people drop passes. It's a bad pass to drop. But he did score a touchdown. He dropped another touchdown. It was a you know game winner potentially. But do you think this is going to be a three-headed monster, which it looks like on paper? Or, look, AP had 14 carries and blew everybody else out of the water. Not only that, yeah. but it wasn't Adrian Peterson of the last couple of years with 14 carries and like 41 yards. 93 yards. He had a couple of receptions as well. And look, it's fresh. He's early in the season. He's out to prove it again. He's a he's a bad man when he's angry. And yeah. he was on fire, frankly. And we saw last year the Packers were 13-3. and three. They got run out of San Francisco with that run game. If the mm -hmm. Lions have any chance in this game, they're going to have to run the ball 30 times and keep Rodgers off the field. I don't think that's going to happen effectively. But AP might be worth a non-PPR, uh, half-PPR even, uh, streamer this week if you end up having one of these – running backs that that either busted or got injured this week yeah so I think the biggest thing to think about is game flow here and that's going to be the problem with Adrian Peterson because when you look at it they were up big in that game versus the Bears the Bears came all the way back scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter and you know this game in Lambeau with maybe potentially without Kenny Galladay so I look at it as it's he's going to look good on his limited touches. I think that he can get you 10 carries for 50, 60 yards easily. But the question is, is he going to get in the end zone? Is he going to get to 15, 16 carries to really get those numbers up? I'm not hundred percent sold on that, especially on the road in green Bay with Aaron Rodgers looking Aaron Rodgers of old. I think the other problem for me though, is uh, listen, I love AP because of Daryl Bevel. So Bevel, we talked about him with the Detroit Lions, the offensive coordinator. He was the longtime OC for Adrian Peterson in Minnesota. So there is continuity there. Adrian Peterson knows Daryl Bevel's system. And Kerryon Johnson still hasn't looked 100% from, uh, from his ACL injury. He had seven, seven attempts for 14 yards. He doesn't look right. I think Adrian Peterson is going to be the early down thumper with Swift being the third down guy. I love Swift's usage. I think Swift is a buy. I actually do because if he catches that pass, his entire week looks completely different with two touchdowns on the day. So I think Swift to me is a good buy right now because he's getting acclimated after being out with injuries during the offseason. But he's, a, he, he's the third down back. He was the two-minute drill. And also, he's getting touches inside the five and in the red zone, which is fantastic. Those are all the high-value touches. You know, and if Adrian Peterson starts slowing down because of his advanced age and Swift gets more carries, now you're looking at a triple threat, red zone work, passing game work, and more carries. So Ooh. I'm buying Swift. For like this that. game, Yeah, for this game, though, I'm a little worried about Stafford. So Stafford went for 265 yards and no touchdowns last year against Green Bay in week six. Did not look great in that game. No Gall and now you got no Galladay. And also, Marvin Jones struggled last year versus Jair Alexander, who was with the top cornerback, who just got toasted by Adam Thielen. But Alexander had a lot more success versus Marvin Jones last season when he shadowed him. So now if you take out Galladay, you take away Marvin Jones, 
you're looking at different guys to try to beat the Green Bay Packers like Amendola and Hawkinson, which I think are fine, but none of them are deep threats. So I think Stafford's not going to have a big day throwing the football. So good news for Hawkinson is at least Jimmy Graham got in the end zone last week. Uh, for, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, last week. So I think for me, when you're looking at that game, I'm thinking like, you know, Hawkinson could have a decent game against the Packers. Um, I know Kyle Rudolph didn't do much, but who's really playing Kyle Rudolph? So I think you can keep rolling with Hawkinson. I, I'm just a little concerned about the passing game because if Galladay's out, Marvin Jones is taken out of the game, who's going to be the deep threat, the vertical threat for Matthew Stafford? Right. And again, Quintus Cephas, a deep name there, leading the team in targets, which is going to be interesting. All right, bud, let's move on here to the Minnesota Vikings and the Indianapolis Colts. Both teams, again, coming up short. Minnesota gets uh, – I mean, the score was closer than the game was. The Packers really tore up the, the Minnesota Vikings on the road here in Minnesota, and the uh, Colts came up short. Garner Minshew got the best of them there. So let's talk about, you know, how the Colts looked uh, in their first week with Phillip Rivers. Again, Naheem Hines gets the first two touchdowns for the Colts, and fantasy Twitter was just exploding. Like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Yeah. Everybody was panicking, and then, unfortunately – you know, we don't, we don't, uh, this whole victory lap thing is, is a big deal this, this year. Um, you know, we don't, we don't do that here because any injury is a bad injury and it just sucks to not see these yeah. incredible athletes um, at their, at their top notch. Uh, and look, I'm a Jonathan Taylor guy as much as everybody else, but it is really shitty that within the first half of football, Marlon Mack is done for the season with an Achilles injury. Um, now it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, for probably 20 touches a game now, which is great for fantasy, but just kind of sucks the way that it happened. Naheem Hines, though, not going to fade away, man. I expect him to get his eight targets. Yeah. I expect him to get a couple of carries. Jonathan Taylor will be the lead dog here, but I'm excited to hear your perspective on that backfield. And then what's going on with these receivers? You know, is Phillip Rivers actually going to be able to carry these guys? They spread the ball out quite a bit. A lot of great catches from these receivers, but can we rely on any single guy on the other side? Cousins in a deep league, super flex, but are you, you know, number 10 in fantasy this week, but are you comfortable with him against the secondary and overall pretty solid defense after Garner Minshew goes 19 for 20 against them under 200 yards, but three touchdowns through the air. Um, and Adam Thielen looked good while he's healthy. And then of course, Dalvin Cook doing his thing. So a lot of uh, question marks in my opinion for this game. The only automatics for me are Cook and uh, Thielen and then Jonathan Taylor on the other side. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the Vikings first. I honestly, the cousins thing, I'm not really, I don't think there's a lot of, you know, outside of two quarterback leagues, you're looking at cousins. So I'm not excited that Colts matchup isn't really that exciting for me in general. I know Garner Mitchell had a nice day, but it's not like he blew up like 350 and four or anything like that. So I'm not really looking at Kirk cousins. I think outside of Adam Thielen, you're right. You're going to keep rolling with him. And then also when you're talking about uh, the other receivers, Bisbee Johnson. Now, when I talked about volume, right, I talked about the variance of volume. One of the teams that had the lowest attempts last week was the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, Kirk Cousins had a very efficient day, but at the same time, they only dropped back to throw 31 times. So that's that's the third lowest in the NFL last week. You know, there's going to be some positive variance. And Bisbee Johnson looked good. I mean, he had 50 yards. I think he's someone that could be in your uh, – could be a bench stash. I think he looks to be the number two target on the team behind Adam Thielen. So I think Bisbee Johnson could be that guy. I think, obviously, Justin Jefferson, him are kind of in that stranglehold. Justin Jefferson actually ran a little bit more routes. But, like I said, I kind of lean towards the veterans in these cases. So it's just a name to monitor. Keep an eye on him as well. 
As for the Colts, I think T.Y. Hilton to me, I'm, I kind of like Phillip Rivers' style. He, he threw a lot of interceptions. He does not look good from a fantasy standpoint for him. But like we saw with Jameis Winston last year, turnovers and all that stuff could lead to a lot of pass volume. So I think, yes, Phillip Rivers can support T.Y. Hilton. He can also support Paris Campbell. I think Paris Campbell to me is probably one of the best pickups of any wide receiver this week because of the fact, and I haven't been in a lot of leagues because I love how Phil Rivers targets the middle of the field. That's what Paris Campbell, he's the primary slot guy. I think he could have another good week against the Minnesota Vikings who just faced, who just got lit up by a bunch of wide receivers, Alan Lazard, MBS, et cetera. So I think T.Y. Hilton, there is no notable corner for the Vikings that can stop T.Y. Hilton. So I think you're plugging in T.Y. I think Paris Campbell is on the radar as well. When you look at the tight end position, listen, Jack Doyle kind of didn't look great last week. I don't think Phillip Rivers can really support three pass catchers plus Naheem Hines. So maybe Jack Doyle wasn't the pick. Maybe it was Paris Campbell. But I think Doyle's still a wait-and-see mode. You know, obviously the Packers, like we touched on, didn't have any notable tight end last week to face the Vikings. So we don't know if the Vikings are either really good or really bad against the tight end yet. So I think Doyle, to me, is kind of a wait-and-see. If you can, if you have a deep bench, you can stash him. But when it comes to the backfield for the Colts, I, listen, I, Mac being gone changes everything. Don't overthink it. Jonathan Taylor is going to be a stud. The best offensive line in football, like everything, if you love, like everything about Jonathan Taylor, he's a stud. He just got handed the keys to the best offensive line in football with a veteran quarterback who's going to, have to use him in the passing game as well. And, of course, the obvious thing for Naheem Hines is Austin Eckler. He's going to be this year's – like a poor man's Austin Eckler. He's going to be a consistent RB2. And I love the fact they use him in the red zone. So he's getting passing game work. He's getting some touches in the red zone. I just think that if he still flirts with seven to nine carries a game, you're getting an RB2. If he's on waivers, go get him immediately. Totally agree. And, you know, this is going to be a huge pickup. I've seen some pretty incredible trades going through. I mean, people are like, look, people are ditching Nick Chubb for Jonathan Taylor, uh, uh, Joe Mixon for Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley with Jonathan Taylor, and maybe another piece. Um, because again, these guys, you know, they, they, they underperformed one week, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor wasn't even that incredible this week, no. but that we know what could happen. And now all of a sudden you get this value that's going nuts. Right. So, yeah. and of course, another, uh, you know, one of those big moves um, is Michael Thomas as well is all of a sudden getting traded away for things because of this uh, ankle sprain. It's just like, it's mm -hmm. just insane. One thing I wanted to note really quick, I think you covered them quite, uh, quite well. So we're going to move on here, but I did want to make a quick mention Marlon Mack before he went out, he had three targets, three receptions and 30 yards. Naheem Hines had eight targets for eight receptions, 45 yards and a touchdown through the air. Jonathan Taylor had six targets for six receptions and 67 yards. So first of all, that was uh, 14, 17 targets to the running back position. Yeah. All of those targets were caught, which is great. That's great accuracy from Rivers. Now, look, they're all swing passes. They're all dump offs. It's not an incredible throw. Nonetheless, we see people overthrow those, underthrow those all the time. Rivers loves mm -hmm. to dump it down. That was perfect. Also, <clears throat> good usage there uh, with yardage as well. So I like that Jonathan Taylor already had six receptions. And his career high at in a game at, at Wisconsin throughout his college career, a game high in uh, targets was three. All right, he had six as a rookie here with three uh, two other running backs. So I think he's going to be an absolute beast. Paris Campbell had nine targets 
T.Y. Hilton also had nine targets, but Paris Campbell had more yards and more receptions as well. So I think a, a changing of the guard potentially a little bit, at least if uh, T.Y. can't shake off the double coverage. My man, Michael Pittman, only had two um, targets and two receptions. So I do think it's going to take him a little bit longer than I thought. But, uh, you know, again, Paris Campbell, I think is a great uh, scoop. I think that's a good call there. All right, man, let's move on to one more game here, and then we'll take a quick uh, – commercial break here Buffalo and Miami Josh Allen looked absolutely phenomenal we talked about him at the top of the show so I'll let you kick off with him a little bit this Buffalo team is looking nasty if they're firing on all cylinders here Miami no match for Cam Newton and the Patriots and I expect them to be kind of just waiting for two a time I love me some Fitz magic like everybody <laughs> else but let's be honest I mean he's good for two or three picks a week which is no good for the offense Jordan Howard came up gimpy right away they had a perfect game script for Matt Breida they didn't use him much Miles Gaskin comes out of nowhere to lead the team right. and carries I mean you know Devontae Parker left the game with an injury already uh, Preston Williams who's been my dog all summer Let's see if he's actually the number one at this point, right? Mike Gesicki didn't go nuts, which we were hoping he would because maybe they double covered the receivers. Well, that didn't happen. Anyway, there's a lot of question marks. I'm not excited for anybody on Miami. Haven't been all summer, still not. I'm going to let that fade. On the Buffalo side, though, look, Josh Allen is the truth. And if he's actually going to throw the ball, you know, as much as we, as much as we saw on, um, on Sunday, plus he's got the rushing ability, uh, he could be quite dangerous here. And, and I'd like to hear about these running backs as well. And then what are they going to do with these receivers, right? John Brown, clearly still the number one guy, even with the big name of Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Yeah. Like I touched on Buffalo is a, a, is a kind of a red flag from a volume standpoint. They drop back to throw 53 times, you know, that's probably about 16 to 17 more than they will typically do each week. So I think that's something that to monitor, you know, Diggs had nine targets. John Brown had eight, Beasley had seven, you know, even the running backs were involved. It's just a lot of mouths to beat. I just don't think that volume is going to happen week to week. The one thing I will say about Josh Allen, look at Cam Newton, what he did on the ground versus the Dolphins. The Dolphins do play a lot of man. Um, they do have very good outside corners. So it's going to be interesting with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard can do versus Diggs and John Brown on the outside. We could see John, uh, Josh Allen run a lot in this game. I think if you're a player prop guy, bet the over on the rushing yards for Josh Allen in this game. I am a little concerned about the, the matchup for Josh Allen from a boundary corner perspective because Byron Jones and Xavier Howard can keep up with Diggs and also keep up with John Brown. So, you know, obviously he might have to look at his running backs, also took a look at Cole Beasley. I think obviously Diggs and Brown are going to get theirs, but I don't think it's going to be like 86 and 70 like it was last week. So I think overall, I think the passing numbers are going to come way down. I think the rushing numbers are going to keep Josh Allen very fantasy viable. From the backfield, I think when you look at it, you know, neither guy was particularly impressive, I guess, from a true overall, like, yardage standpoint. You know, Devin Singletary did have more targets. He had more receptions. But the thing I like about Zach Moss is he got four targets himself, but he's also the red zone guy. He got eight red zone carries in this game. That's, that's fantastic usage for him. I think that when you're looking at a player, you want to see – how many carries they're getting in the red zone, scoring chances. Are they being used in the pass game? And Zach Moss kind of fits that mold for them. So I think better days are ahead for the ground game, obviously. So I think that's something to buy for Zach Moss. Devin Singletary, I don't know what to think of him because he he's not going to get you volume anymore because he's sharing a backfield. And he's also not getting goal line work. So I just don't know if he was really worth the fifth round pick he got drafted at. So that's just something to keep in mind. Plus last week, the Dolphins run defense did look pretty solid. They didn't really let up much to Sony Michelle and company. 
saying much. I'm not sure. But it was really Cam Newton did all the damage on the ground last week. They actually only threw the ball. They dropped back the pass 22 times. So <laughs> Buffalo 53, New England 22. So somewhere in the middle, Buffalo will probably be this week in this matchup. So that's kind of my thoughts when it comes to Buffalo. On the Miami side, you know, really, Ryan Fitzpatrick, to me, there's always, as soon as we believe in him, he lets us know. He did it with the Jets, and we saw Chan Gailey, ironically enough, is now his OC, so we thought there would be some continuity there. Um, Devontae Parker, like you said, is banged up, but even if he's not, even if he's playing banged up, he's going to have to face Tredavious White. Uh, we'll see if Josh, um, you know, outside of that, Preston Williams, to me, is a name you've got to keep on your benches. He, for what it's worth, he, he didn't do much in the game, but he got six targets. That's not terrible. I think that Preston Williams, you know, obviously the guy, you know, tore his ACL last year. So you got to give him some time to get acclimated back. I think the biggest disappointment was Mike Jaziki. I think, you know, obviously we can't forget they faced the Patriots. So Patriots, of course, are a great defense. So is anybody expecting a big game from anybody? But then he gets Buffalo. So now Jaziki's going to have probably another slow game against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills just faced Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon had a lot of targets, but didn't do much with all those targets last week. So I am a little concerned for Mike Jasicki season long. I just think that at some point, like you said, it's going to be two a time. And that backfield is just a mess. I mean, Jordan Howard wasn't even the main ball. I just, I think at this point, just stay away from it. This isn't a high volume offense. This is going to be a high scoring offense. So why even bother with the running backs? I'm probably staying away from that, that whole thing. I totally agree, man. And, and let's not let's not uh, discredit the defenses here. We don't talk about defense a lot in fantasy football, but I'm a I'm a DST and kicker even supporter. Um, look, this Buffalo defense is the truth. They shut down the Jets. They're going to shut down the Dolphins. Um, I'm I think they're good for multiple interceptions, multiple fumbles, probably turnovers, yeah. whatever. Uh, one of the best, you know, defenses on, on the week, but that means that it's going to shut down those offensive uh, quote unquote weapons there for the dolphins too. So I'm fading all dolphins. That's, 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 uh, that's not going to happen for me on, on the Buffalo side. I'm definitely going to start Josh Allen. And frankly, I think I'm going to pause unless Stefan Diggs or John Brown are kind of my flex two. I just, I'm not comfortable if I have other options just because I don't know where the volume is going to be. Don't, don't know what, it's going to happen there. And as far as the running backs go, I lean Zach Moss too, but until he really takes over, I'm going to probably sit him as well. But, you know, 11 fantasy points last week look not terrible, but at the same point, at this point in the season, you probably have better options. So I would just wait to see what happens. But look, a lot of these rookie running backs, man, I mean, JK Dobbins even ended up, you know, pulling together two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor got his chance. You know, Cam Akers looked all right in stints. CEH obviously exploded. DeAndre Swift could have had a bigger game. Um, a lot of these guys had their opportunity and, and Joshua Kelly's another one. Um, so I think that these, you know, a lot of these running backs are starting to brew already there as uh, far as rookies. All right, man, before we get into San Francisco and the New York Jets, I just want to thank everybody again for tuning into the TCK pod, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Joined today by my man, Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. Go find our channels on Instagram and Twitter. You can also go find our rankings at tckpod.com. Tune in tomorrow. We'll be knocking out the afternoon games as well as the evening slate. And then on Fridays, per usual, we'll be, we'll be joined by the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast crew to recap last week's TCK Pod League results and then preview week two's matchups. So tune in the rest of the week. All right, man, let's jump into the San Francisco 49ers and the New York football Jets. Uh, look, I've been very, I mean, I'm a Niner homer. I'm, I'm not shy about it, but I'm also very open that, like, I feel like I do adequate analysis 
for and against the 49ers. I've been anti-Jimmy Garoppolo since the day we signed him. Um, I'm, I'm pretty open about my 49er fandom, but also pretty real on analytics. I thought they looked like shit, to be straight up. I mean, yeah. coming, coming out of the Super Bowl runner-up, I get a Super Bowl hangover and all that. And look, I'm not taking anything away from the Cardinals. Kyler Murray is the truth, and holy shit, DeAndre Hopkins probably not going to have trouble getting into this offense. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, they looked fantastic. The defense was great. We got to do some at quarterback, but that's a that's a fan thing. I'll stay away from that. Look, we don't have a true – I shouldn't say we. The 49ers do not have a true uh, number one receiver. George Kittle came in banged up-ish, goes in with a knee sprain at halftime. He's basically a decoy for the second half. Look, the 49ers are going to get beat up on offense if they can't control the game with the run game and don't have any play action. They didn't. The Cardinals get a big win. That was a huge upset on the week. 49ers are in trouble on offense, in my opinion. For fantasy, it's Mostert, maybe McKinnon in a deep um, PPR league. George Kittle, I got to be honest, man, I love him probably more than anybody else, <laughs> but I might be fading him this week if I have another streaming option until that knee gets fixed. I don't know. On the Jet side, look, Le'Veon Bell's out. I've been anti-Lev for two years. I'm not going to do a victory lap here on an injury. I won't do that. But he is done. Lamichael uh, P. Ryan was out anyway. And Frank Gore, I guess, is going to be the starter no. unless they bring somebody else in. I Kalen mean, like, Balazs. Kalen Balazs, of course. Yeah, they could eat. They could even they could even uh, fire up uh, Devonta Freeman potentially uh, off the streets. Um, we'll see what happens with the Jets here. But you know, Jamison Crowder. Did nothing all game, accidentally breaks away a 69-yard touchdown on a slant pass. Other than that, you know, not much to go on here. I got to be honest, dude, I'm not excited to fire up anybody in this game straight up except for probably Raheem Mostert. Yeah, I mean, the thing you got to take away from this, I think one of the things I always like to highlight is when a West Coast team travels to the East Coast for one p.m. game, yep. we do see a lot of letdowns. I think the Jets could surprise people keeping this game relatively close. Oh, God, close. don't tell me that. <laughs> I just do. I just, you see it all the time. You just see these teams have letdowns when they have to travel to the East Coast for those early games. And the Jets, the thing about the Jets, the one thing you can say about them, they have a dominant run defense. They have always been good at stopping the run. And this is going to be the tale of the two Goliaths. Like the, the 49ers' great rushing offense versus the dominant Jets' run defense and the Jets were one of the best teams on the line itself uh football outsiders is a really cool thing called adjusted line yards for offense and defense and the Jets were the best last year on defense so I'm interested to see how that works out because if you can't run the ball consistently with Raheem Mostert and company like then you're gonna have to be passing with no George Kittle like oh man I would be it's like someone's something's got to give right like something's got to give in this game you know, last week, the Jets got dominated by the outside receivers, John Brown and Stephon Diggs. You know, Kendrick Bourne, can he be that guy? Dante Pettis, I mean, Pettis I'm not going to bother with. But Kendrick Bourne, maybe a deep sleeper, maybe a DFS tournament dart throw, I guess. But the one guy probably everybody's overlooking is Jordan Reed if Kittle sits. I mean, Jordan Reed is has always been a solid player when he plays. He did get some run last week, did put up some numbers a little bit. But if Kittle is out completely I think from a 49ers fan you probably are better and how you felt watching the game seeing Jordan Reed on the field a lot more but I would like to get your thought on that but I think Crowder obviously like you touched on that 69 yard touchdown but I think with Richard Sermon on the outside I think you probably can beat them in the middle of the field with Crowder Crowder got 12 targets that's a great baseline even if you take out that 69 yard touchdown I get that he got six receptions otherwise so it's a good PPR floor 
Chris Herndon for me, just one more week. Honestly, I am so excited for Chris Herndon to break out. Even like last week was it was not great, but it was okay. Seven targets, six receptions, 37 yards. He's got one more tough matchup and things open up for Herndon. I think me personally, I'm probably trying to stash him on my bench for one week, see how things go. Cause I'm really excited for Chris Herndon. Obviously, because of the fact that, you know, Perriman didn't do much last week. Mims just got put on IR. So, really, it's going to be Chris Herndon and Jameson Crowder. I think this week, obviously, you're fading the Jets overall, obviously, with Bell out, too, and Darnold's off the radar well as well. But I would, wouldn't be surprised if this game's a little bit closer because of that travel. But I would love to hear your thoughts on Jordan Reed. Yeah, first of all, I, I, I like your, you know, you pulled out the, uh, the Logan Thomas a couple of weeks ago and that mm-hmm. pulled through. So, so if you're going to give Herndon uh, the, the uh, encouragement, I'll definitely take a deeper look. I like that. Jordan Reed, look, here's the deal. If you listen to the fantasy footballers, they've had a thing on their podcast for years. It's called Rule 86. Yep. Basically what that means is if Jordan Reed plays, you play him. Now, he's a backup at this point, but if George Kittle is out and Jordan Reed is officially the number one tight end for the 49ers, if, look, he's healthy right now. You got to play him. Yep. He's still athletic. He's still young-ish as far as tight ends go. And look, he's been beat up his entire career. We all know that as far as the tight end. But look, when he's healthy, he's fine. He's a great mismatch. And no matter who plays, Ross Dwelly last year when when uh, George Kittle was yeah. out for two games got work. Look, if, if George Kittle is actually out or he's significantly um, limited as far as pass catching, but they can use him as a blocker, they might just be doing decoy stuff with him and, and, uh, and, you know, um, Jordan Reed could be the guy. Now I don't want that. I don't want Jordan Reed in my lineup unless George Kittle is out right. for the game. So we just don't know. We should know more, you know, come Thursday, Friday, later in the week, of course. But if you had to make a last minute switch, you could throw a um, Kittle on your IR spot for a week and then grab a, you know, Jordan Reed for free off waivers. I don't, I don't mind that necessarily. I think he'd be, he'd be just fine. But again, man, I'm fading everybody in this game this week. I, I still think the 49er defense is dominant. The Jets, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, are, are kind of a sneaky underrated rush defense. To me, you got to play him though. Um, he can play, he can break a big run, but he's also going to get the work. Obviously Tevin Coleman gets too many touches. Jarek McKinnon's going to be in there while he's healthy, but you got to play Raheem Mostert. And he's, he's the only one there for the 49ers for me. All right, man, we got four games left. We're getting a little long in the tooth here in uh, in the episode, so let's blaze through these a little bit quicker. Uh, we got the Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Rams, big win um, Sunday night against the Cowboys. It was huge. Robert Woods over 100 yards. Cooper Cup, not so much. Malcolm Brown got the start and got the most production there. Jared Goff looked pretty good, at least in the first half. And then on the other side, the Philadelphia Eagles, man, up 17-0 on a franchise without a real team, and they blow it. They end up losing. They give up eight sacks uh, to arguably, I mean, a top five defensive line all of a sudden. Chase Young is an absolute beast. This defense is looking nice. And if, look, if, if the Washington football team can put together uh, a, a couple good performances, they could really surprise this year here. Um, look, Rams, Eagles, it's going to be ugly. The weather in Philly is not supposed to be very good. That offensive line for Philly is terrible. I think, you know, Aaron Donald could have six sacks in this game. Yeah. So the thing about the Eagles, let's talk about the, the Eagles defense first. Last week they lost, but they if you look at the box score for Washington, they had 178 yards passing and under 100 yards rushing. So you're like, how did they even do that? So the Eagles defense, to me, I think the biggest takeaway is that their secondary is, is a very improved. Darius Slay is now there on the outside. Terry McLaurin beat up on the Eagles last year. He only went 5 for 61, which isn't terrible, but compared to what he did last year, I think that's notable that the Philadelphia secondary is not a doormat anymore. They also signed uh, Roby Coleman from the L.A. Rams. 
uh, for the slot position as well. So I think that's something that's notable when you're looking at the Rams receivers. However, like I said, you're probably not sitting Robert Woods in this matchup. Probably still going to roll with Cooper Cup as well. But I think overall, I would kind of monitor expectations expectations probably fade them in DFS I just think that you know the Rams offense last week didn't look great against Dallas I mean obviously golf looked good from the sense of he got his yardage he got the volume but at the same time like who really broke out besides Woods I mean everyone's was kind of middling outside of that we like we touched on Logan Thomas had a pretty solid week against the Eagles defense so maybe Tyler Higby and I think the answer really for Higby versus Everett, you know, Higby out, you know, ran 22 routes only to eight to Everett. So I think the good news is he's clearly the starter. He got the he got almost three times as many routes as Everett. So maybe because Logan Thomas was able to get some success, maybe Higby can bounce back versus the Eagles. On the Eagles' offense, it, it, like you said, that offensive line got churned up, and now they got to face Aaron Donald. Like, no thanks. I'm not really excited about the Eagles' passing game. Deshaun Jackson apparently is limited. He didn't get a full allotment of routes and snaps, so that's something that was discouraging as someone that was high on DJX for week one. Uh, also, Jalen Ramsey last week didn't look that great. I mean, listen, he didn't shadow Amari Cooper, which was very surprising to me. I thought he would, but he got beat a couple times. Cooper had, you know, a huge game last week from a PPR perspective. And like we touched on earlier, Gallup was, you know, one or two, one or two penalties away from a monster game himself. Debatable you know, penalty, but he did beat Ramsey deep. So maybe DJX could get one long versus Ramsey. So I think the biggest thing is Goddard versus Ertz. I mean, everyone's scratching their heads like Ertz, I mean, didn't, I mean, Goddard completely dominated. You're wondering if there's an injury or something to Ertz. Like, it was just very odd how that ended up working out. But, you know, for Goddard, listen, no Alshon, limited to Sean Jackson. Rager's a rookie. You know, Boston Scott, no Miles Sanders. You're going to keep keep rolling with Goddard until those guys get healthy and available. Don't overthink it. I would play Goddard as a top 12 tight end. I love it, man. I love it. And, you know, I guess uh, – uh, uh, maybe a crazy take would would be a thought of Blake Jarwin going down in Dallas. I mean, they oh. did they did want Dallas Goddard a couple of years ago, and Philadelphia scooped him in the draft right before them when Jason Witten retired. I I would not be shocked to be honest with you if Philadelphia traded Zach Ertz, not Goddard, traded Zach Ertz. They're already in in uh, contract negotiations. Maybe they trade Zach Ertz now in divisions weird and against a rivals weird, so uh, unlikely. But yeah. But I think I think that that Zach Ertz would be a haul. The Cowboys need a tight end. That could be maybe a move. And look, Dallas Goddard is clearly able to be that number one guy. Now, the, the Eagles not having any receiving weapons and giving it to the Cowboys is probably unlikely, but that's just a thought, I guess. Um, yeah, I agree with you, man. I'll, I'll kind of – Let's touch on the running backs. I, I sure. skipped over them. So I think – you know, Malcolm Brown for me is interesting because one of the things I like about Malcolm Brown is he was kind of utilized behind Gurley early on last year. He did get some goal line work. He became the goal line back this year when Gurley left. Another thing is the Lions tried to sign Malcolm Brown a couple of years ago to an offer sheet and the Rams matched. So the Rams clearly value Malcolm Brown. I know Cam Akers got a lot of touches as well, but Brown's the one getting the high value touches. He got couple of receptions he's also getting the goal line work but I don't think Brown's going to give up that job especially because he converted multiple touchdowns in this game so even if Akers starts getting more carries overall I think Malcolm Brown's still going to get the goal line work because he did get eight carries inside the five last year with Gurley in on the roster so I think he's going to continue to have that role and I think being the veteran being the preferred pass uh, pass pro back I think that that's something that's important for him as well on the flip side 
Austin Scott. I mean, listen, Miles Sanders, if he comes back, great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm waiting anxiously. I have him in a couple of leagues. But Boston Scott, you know, for what it's worth, he kind of – he did get almost 10 carries on the ground. He did get a couple of catches. He did disappoint overall. But I think he can bounce back. I think he could do this against the Rams. You know, Zeke had a pretty nice day through the air. He had a touchdown through the air last week. So if Miles Sanders is out, I think the problem is a lot of times when we pick these guys like Scott, these fringe flex guys, and we're all excited and they don't set, they don't meet expectations, we immediately give up on them. And maybe rightfully so, but I think there's a reason behind Scott. If Miles Sanders is out, Scott's going to get you double-digit touches, going to get you high-value touches. So I think – if Sanders is out, I wouldn't be surprised if Scott has a better week this week. I like it. Good call. All right, man, let's move on here to the Denver Broncos and Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh, of course, gets a big win on Monday Night Football. Denver could have got the W. They fall mm. a little bit short there uh, in a big game here um, on Monday Night Football as well in the second matchup. Uh, Cortland Sutton was out. Philip Lindsay now out with turf toe on the other side. James Conner gets injured again, but Juju was great. Tied a career high with two touchdowns. Big Ben looked sharp, man. There was a couple rough throws at the beginning, but again, he looked polished uh, eventually, and I think he's going to knock that rust off in another week or two. Look, without Von Miller, man, this uh, this Denver defense did a really admirable admirable job slowing down Derrick Henry, but I am worried about them versus a pass-heavy offense, especially if James Conner's out. Benny Snell over 100 yards last weekend, but is he really the true back there? Are they going to go to a committee if James Conner misses time? So I'm concerned about this, this Denver defense, although they played pretty well against Tennessee because of that game script. But look, at Big Ben at home, man, I think he's going to throw it all over the yard. Yeah, so my thing is that, like you just touched on too, and A.J. Boy in their top corner got hurt last week. He missed the second half of that game versus the Titans. He could be out with a separated or dislocated shoulder. So that's huge news. That's their best corner. They just acquired him when they lost Chris Harris this offseason. So – I mean, and also Big Ben's going to be home. We always know the road splits with Big Ben, home road. You know, he kind of squatted those in 2018. But overall, he loves being home. He's always good at home. If Boye's out, Von Miller is out. Those are probably their two best players, I think, on the defensive side maybe. So I think, you know, you could keep rolling with Big Ben. Last week, you know, this uh, let's just keep focused on the Steelers' offense. I think, you know, we saw Corey Davis had a nice day versus this team, especially in the second half. Maybe Deont- Deontay Johnson, especially because of the fact that A.J. Boye is going to be out. I think Deontay Johnson could have a nice game uh, with their top corner on the outside being out. But also Adam Humphreys had six catches versus this Denver Broncos defense last week. So I think Juju, keep firing Juju. I think I like Deontay Johnson. Uh, for the ground game, listen, Derrick Henry got his, but he had 31 carries in that game. So maybe the Broncos are tired. Uh, because it just got beat up. I would love to look into the stats of the games after Derrick Henry, how running backs fared, because teams must be exhausted after trying to tackle that guy 30 times. Um, so that's something we have to look into. Uh, but I think if Phil Lindsay's hurt, like he, he missed second half, he could be out this week. I think you got to roll with Melvin Gordon, even in a bad matchup, because of the fact he's going to be the main back in the passing downs, he's going to get goal line work. And Royce Freeman's not going to be as a featured player as Phil Lindsay. So I think that's key. On the flip side, for the Broncos, Listen, you know, it's unfortunate. I was kind of worried about Drew Locke. I know he has the big arm. He's mobile. He's a young, exciting talent around him. But no Cortland Sutton, no Fant had a very good week last week. Um, I think, you know, who beat the Steelers uh, for the Giants? And it was really Darius Slayton. So the outside speed guy, maybe Jerry Judy can kind of have a big game. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're looking at a very tough 
with Joe Hayden and those guys in the secondary. It's not an exciting matchup for Drew Locke on the road. So I'm probably fading pretty much everybody in that matchup for the Broncos. But overall, I think when you looked at the Giants and how they beat them, they did beat them with speed on the outside with Slayton. So maybe a guy like Judy can beat them as well. Judy looked good, man. Just a couple costly drops. I like it. All right, man, two coverages left. Let's get into it. Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady. Uh, is it is it unfair to say he looked like a rookie uh, after 43 <laughs> years of uh, playing football? Um, not looking good. Obviously, a couple of miscommunications with Mike Evans. Also, target share. Chris Godwin was down, uh, I think, like 18th on the week or something in target share. Obviously, we didn't expect that. On the other side, Carolina in a shootout with the Raiders. Um, Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good. Deep pass there to uh, Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore is going to get more work. You mentioned that at the top of the episode. And then Christian McCaffrey's Christian McCaffrey. So uh, let's make these last two matchups a little bit quicker here. We got to get out. But um, very quickly, you're, you're starting your studs in this game. Yep. Christian McCaffrey automatically. DJ Moore automatically. Uh, on the other side, you got to go with Godwin, of course. Um, are you confident in Evans? And then how about that backfield in, in uh, Tampa Bay as well? Yeah, I mean, listen, Evans is the hamstring thing. He did lead the team in routes on the week, so he obviously was out there running routes as a decoy. Arians already said he felt bad that he didn't get him more involved. So I'm thinking I'm playing all my bucks, especially it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady, everyone's saying he's washed. I, I, no, Bounce thank you. I'm not, playing with that fire. <laughs> I'm not playing with that fire. I think he's going to go bananas in this game. I agree. The one guy I would say is Ronald Jones. We just saw Josh Jacobs completely carve up this Panthers run defense. He scored three touchdowns on the ground. I think you got to probably start Ronald Jones. He got 19 touches last week. I think that's someone that you have to probably get in your lineups. The other guy is that the fringe guys like OJ Howard versus Rob Gronkowski. You know, Howard did get the touchdown. He ran only 19 routes on 41 dropbacks. So I'm not excited about OJ Howard. I'm not going to probably play that game. On the other side, the Panthers. Robbie Anderson had that big game, but like you touched on with Jameson Crowder, he had that one catch for 75 yards and a touchdown. And the rest of the game, he was five for 40. And, you know, he made the one guy look missed. But it was a bad play by the Raiders secondary. Two guys looked foolish in the secondary on that play. If he gets tackled, it's a whole different vibe for this week for Robbie Anderson. So I'm probably fading him, especially because we just saw the Bucks secondary shut down the receivers. Both Thomas and Sanders were under 20 yards. So I expect maybe a sleeper for this week is Ian Thomas, the Carolina Panthers tight end, because we saw – Jared Cook do really well last week versus the Bucks, as their cornerbacks are very young, very talented, and they shut down the Saints wide receivers. Yeah, totally agree. This is, should be fireworks. And again, uh, man, that Carolina defense got blown up by the Raiders. If Tom Brady can uh, sober up a little bit, I think these Bucks are going to be pretty nasty at home. Absolutely. All right, man, last matchup here, Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans. Jacksonville, big win last week over the Colts. Uh, Garner Minshew, of course, 19 for 20. Very impressive there. And... Tennessee, again, squeaks one out. Steven Goskowski, look, the guy's going to the Hall of Fame. They have to keep him around one more week because he did hit the game winner. But, yo, three missed field goals and a missed extra point for a Hall of Fame was pretty incredible. They do pull it out, though, against Denver. Um, any, I mean, obviously, on the Tennessee side, you got to start uh, Derrick Henry. you got to start A.J. Brown, I suppose. But, look, Corey Davis – Dustin off the rust and a lot of people kind of called him the this year's Devonte Parker. He looked really good in that first game in Monday night. Johnu Smith, my, my, my other Blake Jarwin uh, got a touchdown. He looked pretty good as well. Ryan Tannehill looked sharp enough on the other side. Minshew's Minshew. 
And uh, DJ Chark, just three targets. Obviously, he's going to get more than that moving forward. But how do we feel overall about this game here? And um, other than the starting your studs, who, who would you be comfortable firing up? Because this Tennessee defense is legit, but this Jacksonville defense, not so much. Yeah, I mean, if you look at who, who dominated the Jads last week, Paris Campbell had a pretty nice game. And, you know, obviously one of my sleepers, guys that I'm monitoring is Keelan Cole. So Keelan Cole became the number two receiver this week, out kind of out of nowhere. He's now the slot guy. Uh, for this team with D.D. Westbrook all banged up. He ran the second most routes on the team. We've also seen Jay Gruden in the past utilize a slot receiver with Jamison Crowder. So I think Keelan Cole, he had a lot of talent. A couple years ago, he had a big season, and then he kind of just fell off the radar, kind of fell out of favor with the Jags. And now it looks like he's back in favor. He's got the talent to be the solid number two. You know, Tyler Eifer was one of our guys we talked about in the offseason as a tight end option, but he didn't really look too great. He didn't run as many routes as the receivers like Chenault. I think a lot of people are excited about Chenault. Chenault's the guy that people are talking about, but Cole actually outproduced him. So I think Keelan Cole, for me, is someone to monitor in a deep league, maybe a deep league stash. Obviously, outside of that, DJ Chark, uh, AJ Boy, I mean, uh, Adoree Jackson's banged up for the Titans. He's the top cornerback for that team and so if he's out again you got to roll with dj chark i think he's going to beat up in that matchup because the dory jackson is out obviously the tight ends last week the jaguars did i mean last week the jaguars did pretty good against jack doyle he had a very mediocre game plus like i talked about with uh johnny smith i was a little worried about anthony ferksner and ferksner scored a touchdown as well so i think there was still utilization for ferksner i think johnny smith to me still isn't getting the volume i like to see from him but you know, it's someone I'd probably not – I'd probably fade John in this week because of that. And the final thing is maybe if you're looking for a deeper sleeper too, Adam Humphrey. So, like we just touched on, uh, the Jags last week, you know, they allowed some – so they allowed a decent amount of points to the tight, uh, slot receiver. So maybe Adam Humphreys who got six catches last week, uh, he might be able to do it again in a PPR format. And then finally, it's, it's James Robinson. So I think really for me, it's more of a wait and see with James Robinson. He did get all the carries, monopolized those rushing attempts with the Jags last week. Obviously, he's a bench desk. I don't think the Titans are the matchup for me that I'm excited to play him in, but he's definitely still someone you want on your teams because of his utilization. Love it. Right on, bro. Those are great breakdowns. Let's finish up the episode really quickly. Usually it's just Lucas and I. Obviously, Lucas is off today. He'll be off tomorrow as well. So we're going to have you step in as the guest, my man, and give us some pickums. So every week, Lucas and I give our pickums. This is, look, no Vegas lines. We're not doing any over-unders. Um, this is no uh, spread, nothing. This is straight up pickum. So yeah. we've already done the analysis. One word answer. I'm going to run down these games really quickly. Bobby, you're on the clock. Give me your pickums. We'll start up at the top here. Giants at Bears. Who you got? Bears. Atlanta Falcons at Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Detroit Lions at Green Bay Packers. Packers. Minnesota Vikings at Indianapolis Colts. Colts. Buffalo at Miami. Buffalo. San Francisco Giants, or San Francisco Giants, San Francisco football 49ers at the New York Jets. 49ers. Los Angeles Rams, Philadelphia Eagles. Rams. Denver Broncos, Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay, Florida. <laughs> uh, Buccaneers. And last but not least, Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans. Titans. Love it. Thanks, man. It's always a pleasure to have you on, Bobby. We'll do it again real soon. Once uh, Before we get out of here, please, again, let every, all the TCK pod noters where they can find you. 
Yeah, so at Fantasy Football X Factor on Instagram and at FFX Factor on Twitter. You also find my articles on Shadow Coverage Report on Razball.com. And also you can find my opportunities analysis and I'll expand the box score. Excellent. Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. This is episode 263. Tomorrow we'll be back with you for the late game slot and the nights as well. Bobby, we'll do it again soon, man. Thanks for joining today. Thanks, Scott. Have a great week, all right? For Bobby Lamarco, I'm Scott Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.